Wow, what a great intro, eh? It's fantastic, such a privilege to be able to share with you today. Don't you love the worship this morning? It's just great, presence of God's just in the place. And uh, don't be surprised if he continues to minister in your life uh, while I'm uh, up here speaking. And, uh, you know, God just continues to move in a mighty way. I want to talk today about living your best life now. You know, it's not worth putting it off. Uh, until the future or until something uh, falls into place for you. You've got to make those choices now to make a difference uh, in your life and your experience. And my thought is this, is you know your quality of life is not determined by the circumstances that you live in, but it's determined by the choices that you make. You know, this holiday season's been uh, pretty special and uh, special in the way that we've had you know, fantastic weather. Well, the weather's coming right now. And uh, we've had some pretty awful stuff uh, as well. But it was interesting, you know, when cyclone hail uh, was coming through and caused, caused devastation in some places. And uh, fortunately, we missed most of that. But the interesting thing is this, you know, that when one thing is really harsh, maybe to a whole group of people, it's amazing that it brings something else with it that's really special. Because just after um, cyclone hail, a few days, you know, the next few days following on, on for that, it created like a heaven for a certain group of people. Out our way at uh, Red Beach and Oriwa, we went uh, down to the beach one day and uh, went to the surf club and sat on the balcony and we looked out at the surf coming in. The surf coming in, you know, it's about shoulder height. There were great sets coming in. There's over a hundred surfers out there just waiting for rides. And it was like that for a few days. You know, something could be really awful for one group of people, but, you know, it brings something special for somebody else. And it's those special things that we need to be looking for. You know, the positive things uh, in the circumstances to make choices if we need to, to change what we're going through at this particular time. <clears throat> you know, I was brought up as, as a youngster in a, in a family, our um, uh, religious background was, was quite strict, you know, I mean, remarkably strict. My father, for instance, uh, wouldn't allow a radio in the house for many years, you know, because it was, you know, it was a bad thing. And uh, it wasn't until after he passed on that my mum softened and we ended up with a television, which was uh, sort of really, really nice. But some people have an idea that, you know, that, that knowing God is restrictive, that everything is no, no, no. And it's not like that at all. I mean, God puts boundaries that are healthy for us around family and around our lives. But inside those boundaries, there is tremendous freedom. You know, it says every promise of God is yes in Christ Jesus. And all the yeses are there. I love... Uh, Ecclesiastes and King Solomon, and he said this. He said, go ahead, eat your food and drink your wine or your kombucha, your coke, your coffee, whatever uh, you may like, but drink it with a happy heart. Didn't say get drunk on wine. He said, have a glass of wine with your meal or in the evening or whatever you'd like to drink, but do it with a happy heart. For God approves of this. Wear fine clothes with a splash of cologne. You know, look sharp. Do the extras to uh, just make your appearance better. Live happily with the woman or the man that you love. 
and whatever you do, and this is in the context of, of work, whatever you do, do well. And it goes on to say you will not always have that opportunity. And so make the most of the time. This is the thing. God approves of that. You know, God wants us to enjoy each other and enjoy every season in life. We all have to deal with problems as they come along. But don't let life's pressures steal your love, your peace, your joy, and appreciate the gift of every day. Abraham Lincoln said this. He said, most people are as happy as they've decided to be. Honest Abe would have liked a, a survey I read at one time. And it, was, it came to the conclusion that people's happiness increased by 10% on a Friday. That's interesting, isn't it? You've probably all heard of TGIF, you know, the chain of uh, restaurants. Thank God it's Friday. And uh, that's where they got the idea from. But, you know, you think, well, why is that? Why does that happiness increase on a Friday? And it's obviously because people are thinking ahead, you know, to the weekend, to what's coming up, maybe something they've got planned or whatever. But, you know, the happiness isn't because of the circumstances, because the weekend hasn't happened yet. You know, it's an anticipation, it's an excitement, it's looking ahead. And this is the thing. People make up their minds beforehand to be happier about what lies ahead. Now, do you want a, you know, survey going the other way? I'm glad you asked for that. <laughs> Another study found out there were more heart attacks on a Monday than any other day. You're talking at an expert here. So, you know, many decide that Monday is a, is a stressed out day. But, you know, it's because Sunday, you know, they're starting to look ahead to what's going to be happening. Maybe they've got a difficult meeting or a person or a decision to make. And so it causes that frustration and worry sets in early. And again, it's about something that lies ahead. You know, it's so important that we don't accept these swings of circumstance to affect the moods uh, that we have. Your quality of life is determined by the choices you make, not the circumstances you live in. You know, for you and me, it's just another day in paradise. You know, the Bible doesn't say Friday is the day the Lord has made. What does it say? It says, this is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice, and we'll be glad in it. That means you make up your mind every day. You know, seeds of discouragement can't take root in a grateful heart. Choose each day to enjoy all that God has for you. My first point is this. Don't give away your power. You know, so much is given to each of us. The right to choose correctly, to behave well, to see the best in people. That's always there with us. And the painting up there is the famous painting of uh, William Hunt, and it's called The Light of the World. And Jesus is standing at a door, and he's carrying a light. And if you look closely at the door, you'll see that there are vines climbing up the door. The door hasn't been opened for years, and so nature's taken over. And if you look closer to it, you see there's no handle on the outside for Jesus to open the door. It can only be opened from the inside. And the scripture that goes with that is when Jesus said this, he said, look, I stand at the door and knock. It's talking about the door of your heart, the door of your life. And he's knocking there, waiting for you to open. He says, if you hear my voice 
and open the door, I will come in and share a meal with you as friends. You know, we have that invitation every day, every single one of us, an unhurried audience with the King of Kings. Jesus wants to come in. He wants to have fellowship. He wants to talk over the things that we are facing and going through. And, you know, who could ever turn that invitation down? And yet, so often, I'm sure that many of us have done that at different times. Don't give away your power, because when Christ comes in, he releases his blessing. He makes the word of God life and health and fills our soul with good things. The ability for you to overcome and uh, for strength to power, to feel right, to be right, and to do right. My second point is this. Choose desire over duty. You know, make choices in your life, your work, your calendar, that include your passion. And if you're not sure what your gifts or passion are or how you're wired up as an individual, do the growth track because it will really help you and therefore help you to make choices about what fits in with your character and your gifts. You know, the, re the reality is this. You know, when you're passionate about something and allow yourself to pursue it, you position yourself to succeed in life. If you love what you're doing, you'll be successful. The publisher Malcolm Forbes said this, the biggest mistake people make in life is not trying to make a living at doing what they most enjoy. And as a result, they simply endure their working lives instead of making the most of them. And you can tell that when you talk to people. You know, sometimes people will only be talking about what's coming up on the weekend or uh, what they're going to do in the holidays or else they're living life, you know, counting the years or the months until they retire. I had a friend called uh, Brian and he was a roofer and uh, he didn't work on houses, he worked for Fletcher's. So he did commercial properties, so he was doing roofs like this building and multiple stories. And uh, every morning when Brian went to work, he would find a beam. And you've got to think, these beams, you know, the smallest, the smallest of them would have been about four inches. And, uh, uh, you know, and they would go up in size from then. But he would find one, and he would run across the beam and run back again. That was the start of every day. The reason he did that was he suffered from vertigo. That's the fear of heights. And uh, so he worked all day doing roofing, in these high uh, places that he was doing. He said sometimes at lunchtime and most days after work, he would be physically sick because of the, the pressure that he was feeling uh, on the inside. And I said to him, I knew him really well, I said, I said, you're mad. I said, what are you putting yourself through that for? I said, you're a great guy, and you're a hard worker. You get a job anywhere. And uh, he just uh, said, you know, pretty coldly and bluntly, he said, where else would I get the money that uh, I get for doing this, the risks with this job? <clears throat> you know, your chance of success in life is directly proportional to the amount of pleasure you derive from it. Most of us spend a lot of time in the workplace. But you know, it pays to work through the type of person that you are to find things that, that give you fulfillment and pleasure in what you're doing. I think we learned so much last year with the, uh, 
the Black Ferns, you know, the rugby, women's rugby uh, World Cup team. It was just a fantastic experience for any rugby fans, or most of us as fans anyway. And, uh, but to see them playing, you know, we know they only came together a few months before the tournament, and uh, they brought in Wayne Smith, and, and he got them together, girls from the Sevens, girls from all over the country in the 15-a-side uh, game, and brought them together, and, and you could see them at each game sort of improving and getting better. But what I loved about the whole deal was this. It was just so different than watching the All Blacks. You know, when you watch the All Blacks these days, I mean, everyone's so serious. You know, nobody's smiling unless the All Blacks are scoring tries and doing something else. Most of the time, they're looking grim. They're, they're frowning. And, and then if the All Blacks lose on social media, all you get is, you know, the coach is no good, the captain's no good, and, and, and everybody's got the answers how to fix the problems. But with the girls playing, it was just all fun. I don't know if it was just there were so many women uh, in, the, in the stands. It might have been that. I'm not sure, but they were swinging poise and people were smiling. You could see it. Even the players were smiling. You know, you don't often see that at all, do you? You just look them, uh, see the men out there looking angry and uh, they're going to you know, make, make mincemeat of somebody. But, you know, it was an amazing thing. Here's a team of girls that somehow have got together, they were passionate about what they were doing. You know, they, they were willing to lay down whatever they can to make things come together. And we celebrated with them. We saw something that I believe is a great lesson for all of us. And I'm sure, you know, that if the French had uh, kicked that goal in the last minute and won the semi-final or the English had pushed the girls over for that try in that last line-out, in the last minute, we still would have celebrated. It was just such a great experience. You know, it wasn't just a job. I mean, these girls, it was actually their job that they were doing. But they worked hard. But it was exciting. They were fun. They weren't playing for themselves. They were playing for the whole team. And in the end, we won. You know, the thing is, is dreams come true when gifts are set on fire with passion. You know, the best career advice you'll ever get is to discover your God-given passion and follow it. Number three is don't waste the tough times that come in life. Life is a journey. And, you know, embrace whatever comes your way, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And believe me, it'll all come at some time. But embrace the season. Don't hide from it. Don't get into denial about what's going on or what's hard that you're facing in life. I remember a song that I used to listen to on the radio, and that's when you used to be able to hear the words that were being sung. It was really good back then. <laughs> and uh, one line went like this, you know, even the bad times are good when I'm alone with you, baby. That's a good line, isn't it? That's great. But, you know, in reality, most of the memorable lessons in life come out of the tough times that we go through. You know, I can remember uh, Maggie used to um, have these long labours, you know, having babies, you girls know all about that, and us husbands don't know what to do when all that's happening, so it's sort of difficult for us as well, <clears throat> but slightly different. But I remember uh, with Haley, our first our second daughter, but our first as a Christian, so we were pretty excited about uh, Haley coming. 
And uh, I was in the hospital that night. I'd been, you know, at work, and then I'd been home. Then I'd taken Maggie into hospital and been back seeing the kids. Mum was looking after the kids. And by the, you know, evening, I was getting pretty, had it, you know, pretty worn out. Poor me, eh? <laughs> I'm not getting this across right, am I? But I'm just trying to set a scene. And uh, anyway, I rang up mum and asked how the kids were, and, and she was pretty excited. She said, oh, look, I've got a verse. I'm sure it's for, for Maggie. And it was this verse. It was, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. And uh, she said, look, I believe it's for Maggie, and maybe the baby's going to come in the morning. So I shared it with Maggie, and, and uh, Maggie said, look, you might as well go home and come back in the morning. And uh, she added something like, you're pretty useless to me at the moment. <laughs> anyway, and so uh, I wanted to make it, yeah. Anyway, I went home, came back, Haley came, which was really awesome. And then we had, we're trying to decide a name for her, and Maggie liked Haley. And, uh, and I remember, but I, I really wanted a name out of the Bible, you know, because we were Christians and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And anyway, she said she, she liked Haley. And, and anyway, I, I thought about it for a little while. Now I said, oh, hold on a minute. Haley could be short for hallelujah. <laughs> oh, and her middle name was going to be Joy. So there's Joy in the Holy Spirit. So uh, that's how she got called Haley, the poor girl. She doesn't tell anybody else that. But I remind her every now and then. But you know, we go through short times and it can be like that. Pressures come for whatever reason and it can be difficult. But joy comes uh, in the morning. But then there are longer times. You know, and I remember, obviously, uh, vividly, you know, the season we just went through with with Maggie. And um, for those that don't know, she was diagnosed with uh, cancer seven months before she passed away uh, in July. But what I do remember is this, is right at the beginning, you know, when we first had the news, we didn't know what lay ahead, and God's done amazing things. She's, Maggie's been healed of cancer uh, in the past as well. <clears throat> and, uh, but as you know, we sat down together, and I just said to, I said to Maggie, I said, Maggie, look, we don't know what this season is, you know, what lies ahead. But what you need to know is you're not going through this on your own. You know, I'm with you in this. We're going through this season together. And then all the family came <coughs> and um, at different times. And the first time we all were together as a family, I went through and said exactly the same thing. And uh, they all said the same. You know, we're going through this together. And so many of you here in this church went through this journey with us as well, for which we will... Uh, always be so uh, appreciative. But, you know, in that season, you know, there was so many stories told, so many memories shared, so many photos pulled out, so many tears at different times. Other times, uh, you know, there was laughter about all sorts of events that happened. I remember right towards the end, Maggie started to wear dark glasses, you know, sunglasses inside. And, you know, nobody said anything or thought anything of it. But, you know, you can always count on a kid to, uh, you know, say something that's a little bit embarrassing. (laughs) And uh, the little five-year-old turned to his nana and said, Nana, why are you wearing sunglasses inside? You know, which was just a a good question, you know. Well, Maggie just burst out laughing. And she said, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you Nana's secret. She said, Nana's getting a little bit tired. 
and sometimes people are talking to her and her eyes start closing. So now I put on dark glasses so people can be talking to me. They don't know if I'm awake uh, or asleep. But you know, I've got a picture sitting with her with those dark glasses on my daughter did for me. But it's a great, you know, just a wonderful memory uh, of those, that season, that time. And if we hadn't gone through the richness of that time, you know, the strength for now uh, just wouldn't be there in the same way that it is. <clears throat> we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to their purpose for him. Number four is know what to ignore. You know, there are so many dis- things in life, distractions, to take your focus away from what's really important in life. You know, there's a saying, living with the saints above, that'll be the glory. Living with the saints below, well, that's a different story. You know, the, the, the reality is this. Life would be nicer if everyone just liked you or encouraged you, appreciated what you said, listened to you, did what you wanted. But life just ain't like that. You know, how do you handle people that are difficult or critics, people that criticize uh, what you're doing? You know, you may work hard at trying to make a relationship work, but they still talk about you, they criticize you, they put you down sometimes in front of other people. Abraham Lincoln said, you can please some of the people all the time, and you can please all the people some of the time, but you can't please all the people all the time. You know, I've learned this much. Don't waste your time engaging in conflicts that don't matter for your life or your family or your destiny. What a critic says doesn't alter anything. When Saul was made king, most people were excited for him and uh, brought him gifts, congratulated him. But some of his longtime friends, they despised him and they criticized him and they ridiculed him. They said he's not a king, he's not a leader, he hasn't got what it takes. But the Bible says Saul's reactions, and he could have had them punished, he could have had them killed. But it says that Saul ignored them. He ignored them because he was not going to lose the focus of God's calling on his life. Jesus had more critics than most. You know, when he healed people in the synagogues, uh, most of the times he did that, there was a group that would get at the back of the synagogue and they would criticize him. And they would say things like this, like, Jesus, you did good. But you know what? You did it on the wrong day. And that's sin. That's not good at all. You know, if Jesus had changed everything to try to satisfy the critics, it wouldn't have made any difference. They just would have found something else to criticize them with. You know, you could buy a critic a brand new TV, 65-inch OLED, all the bells and whistles, throw in Sky Sport now, you know, as a, as a plus for them. And they would thank you. That'd be awesome. But, you know, when they were at home and uh, had some friends with them, they'd say something like this. Actually, I wanted a Panasonic, but look at what I got. I mean, critics, just ignore them. But stay on the high road. Don't engage in conflict. Be gracious and move on. But build people around your life that will speak into your life and make a difference. My last point is this. Bloom where you plant it. They who delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night, are like trees planted along the riverbank. 
bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never, never wither, and they prosper in all they do. You know, if you go down to Queenstown in the summertime, you'll see a scene like uh, what should be coming up on the screen at some point. And it's not there yet, but it will soon, I'm sure, won't it? Or is it? Yeah. Anyway, but if you get up there, you know, nothing much grows up there. It's just tussock country, and it's, it's really sort of, it's got its own beauty, but it's sort of very bland and, and very boring country. It's some of the worst uh, country in New Zealand. But you'll see scenes like this in different parts of the country. In 1949, there was a farmer's wife, they're both farmers, obviously, and she spent a hundred pounds, which today pulls out to about two and a half thousand dollars, on lupin seeds. So you can imagine the amount of seeds that she bought. She bought them from the stock agent and she hid the account from her husband. Her husband didn't find out until summer came and the flowers started to rise up. They had a property by Lake Tekapo, and she just put the seed all out along the roadside and in different parts of the farm. And now they're all, you don't see many calendars of scenery of New Zealand without a shot of the lupins and looking over towards Mount Cook. It's quite spectacular. Her name was, was Connie Scott, and on her tombstone they call her the lupin lady. And yet she just wanted to make a difference. She wanted to bring some beauty uh, to the place where she lived. But you think about those seeds. You know, they're not native to New Zealand. They come from Africa, they come from Europe, and from the Americas. And they come from uh, places that where, you know, that are, conditions are quite different than they are uh, up near Lake Tekapo. You know, they are thrown into the soil. Some of the worst soil in the country and uh, it doesn't grow much at all but you don't hear them complaining you know because when the snow comes and uh, the sleet comes and the hail comes and all of those terrible things that happen they just the snow just totally covers them so they disappear from sight but you know when spring comes they send the shoots up but and then during summer you know it's the driest hottest part of the country but they just bloom where they're planted. They just do something that is, makes the place look really beautiful. I'm sure there are some people that don't like them. I read of a con conservationist that said we should get rid of them because they're not native plants and they only want to see uh, more tussock up in the places where the lupins are. You can't please everybody, uh, that's for sure. But you know, it always reminds me when I see them I think of people's lives, people that are going through negative situations or they're discouraged because of things that are happening. Maybe they don't like where they live or else they criticize their spouse or their jobs. And they have this philosophy and thinking in their mind that, you know, if circumstances aren't what we like, then let's just change them. Let's just, I'm just going to leave this. I'm going to go and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that like that solves the problem. That doesn't solve the problem at all. That just means you carry the same problem with you that you've been carrying up to this point and taking it somewhere else. You know, when you're facing difficulties in any circumstance in life, 
that's important. Talk to God about it because God will show you what needs to be done and what you need to do in your life. Moving the situation doesn't change it. Sometimes, you know, God will allow you to stay in the circumstance you're in because he wants to test your heart or he wants to bring change on the inside. And if you seek to change the circumstances before those changes have happened, you'll only find yourself back in similar circumstances or even worse ones. You know, we call that going round the mountain. The children of Israel did that for years in the desert, round and round the same mountain, until one day God said, pick up your tents and go north. I'm going to take you into the promised land. You know, allow God into your life to make that difference that he can show you the way ahead. Paul said this, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Someone said to me, if you complain, you remain. But if you praise, you'll be raised. That's quite good, isn't it? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in this way. And I don't give away your power. Choose desire over destiny. Don't waste the tough times that come in life. Know what to ignore and bloom where you're planted. You know, I shared earlier about Jesus knocking on the door. He knocks on every person's, your heart's door. Some of you here may never have opened that door to invite Christ in. You know, you can do that this morning, right where you're seated, just simply by asking him to come in, to help, to make you the person he would like you to be. I'm just going to pray a prayer, and if that's what you'd like to do, then pray after me, just where you are, and uh, let's just do that, shall we? Let's close our eyes. Father God, I thank you that you love me, and Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for taking time to knock on my heart's door. Lord, I open the door and ask you to come in and make me the person you want me to be, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.